The title of this message today is Come Out of Hiding. Come Out of Hiding. And we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. Luke chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. And it says this. It says, when the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live, you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to other, we save for we descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots from the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. On Wednesday this week, I had to take my dog Charlie to the vets. Now, Charlie, she loves getting into the car. She loves a car ride. She loves jumping into the car and, and going on an adventure. More often than not, we take her down to my grandparents' house and she loves going. We say to her, you know, Charles, you want to come to Glam and Dance? And she's there shaking her tail. She's ready to go. She's excited. And I'm sure she thought that she was on her way down to my grandparents' house this week when I said, Charles, you want to go in the car? Her tail was wagging. She was excited and ready. But she had a little bit of a surprise when we pulled up to town. And we got out of the door and she knew instantaneously, she's quite switched on for a dog, I've got to be honest. She knew that we weren't in my grandparents' house and, and she started getting a little bit anxious. I could tell because she was pulling on the lead. So anyway, I took her to the vet. She needed a bit of an, an MOT. And so I took her into the vet. And as soon as we got through the door in the vet in town by Joe's for shop, she started shaking. She started panicking. She started going everywhere. She started wincing. She started crying. She knew what was coming. She knew what she was in for. Next thing you know, I, I, I registered her. I booked in. And the receptionist said, take your seat. It won't be a moment. The vet will be out. So I took a seat. And Charlie, she went straight underneath the chair. She went into hiding. She, she was terrified. She was shaking under the chair, the poor dad. She was absolutely terrified because she knew what was coming. A few moments later, the vet came up and said, Charlie, are you ready to come in? I thought, there is no way Charlie is coming in for you. No matter how nice you are, I'm sorry, but she is not coming. I had to drag her out from underneath the chair. She was putting the brakes on. She was like, there is no way I'm going in. Eventually, I took her into the room put her onto the table in the vet. She was shaking like a leaf trying to jump down, but she got seen to in the end. Little did she know that it was for her own good. I said, I'm sorry to the vet. I said, she's a bit of a wimp, but she'll get this. She'll listen to you. She's good as gold. And she was fair play to her. She went through it. Everything was fine. And we came back out and she was running out of that door, bursting out of that door. She was happy. Her tail was wagging. She was ready. I gave her a treat as well. I told her that she was a good girl, but she hated, she went straight into hiding because of fear. I wonder how often do we do that in our lives when we're afraid? I think my natural reaction is I want to go into hiding. When I'm scared, when something bad's about to happen or when something bad happens, my natural reaction is I'm going to hide away. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to confront anybody. I am going to hide away when things get difficult. And you know, as we see here in Luke's gospel, you'd think that this would be the natural reaction for John the Baptist. You'd think that John the Baptist would be afraid because of what he was called to do. You know, we see that John the Baptist, he was given this mission to prepare the way for Jesus. He was given a message to tell people, get ready 
for Jesus to come. And he was out in the wilderness. God had filled him with the Spirit. He was prepared. He was ready for the crowds to come. And, and people were coming everywhere to see John. They thought that this guy was a little bit of a nut. And I'm sure some of them went out there to go and see him because he had camel's hair on. He was eating locusts. I'm sure he had a bit of a reputation. So I'm sure people went just to see, is this guy the real deal or not? But then there were others who went because they genuinely wanted to listen to John's message. They realized that they needed to get their lives right with God. They wanted to be ready for Jesus to come. And so John, he went around preaching about Jesus. He preached quite a difficult message. His message wasn't a nice message. It was repent, get your lives right, turn around because God is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. People came and they confessed their sins and they took their next step. They got baptized. They wanted everyone to know that they're followers of Jesus. However, there was a lot of commotion being stirred up. A lot of people were going out to the wilderness. There was a, a people were talking about what was happening in the wilderness. News travels fast, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't just fa- travel fast today. It traveled fast back then. I'm sure they had their own form of Facebook all those years ago because people were going out there. People were talking about what was happening and. So much so, there was such a commotion that the religious leaders, who were known as Pharisees and Sadducees, those who worked in the temple, they went out to investigate. They wanted to find out what was going on. They, they had a little bit of authority and they could have got John in trouble because of what he was preaching. So they wanted to go out and make sure that he wasn't some false prophet, that he wasn't preaching some heresy. So they went out to the wilderness to see what John was talking about. But when they get to the wilderness, these religious leaders, these pastors, if you'd like, they're quite a welcome from John. This is what John says to them in verse 3 to 7 again. When the crowds came to John the Baptist, he says this, you brood of snakes. That's a nice welcome, isn't it? Or you vipers, that's what it says in other translation. Who warned you to uh, to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're saved, but we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into fire. Now, if people came here this morning to investigate me, to listen to me, to check what I was preaching, I'd be on best behavior, I can tell you that. If we had some people come in, even from our denomination, from Assemblies of God higher up, I'd make sure that I've got the best message, the encouraging message, a nice message, to lift people up, to be encouraging. We'd give them a warm welcome. We'd get the coffees and the teas and the madelines ready for them. We'd roll out the red carpet. I'd want to make sure that I'm giving them a lovely welcome. I'd be afraid of getting into trouble if people were coming to check me out and make sure that I was preaching. Okay, I'd be afraid. But the Bible says John wasn't afraid. John wasn't afraid of these religious leaders. Instead, John the Baptist called these religious leaders out. He confronts these religious leaders. But why? Why did John speak so harshly to these church leaders? Why was he speaking so severely to these religious leaders? It was because the religious leaders of the day wasn't, they weren't living the way that they should have been living. They were talking the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. They weren't practicing what they were preaching. They thought, these religious leaders thought that just because they belonged to Abraham, they were descendants of Abraham, 
but they were right with God. They thought just because they went to church and they went through all the religion, religious rituals, and they did the right things, they quoted scripture, they thought, we're right with God. It's fine. Everything's okay. Look, we do this so we can live any way that we want. And there was another problem with these religious leaders, was that they liked to call out the sins in other people's lives, but they didn't like to address the sin in their own lives. You know, it's easy, isn't it, to take the log out of somebody else's eye, but take the, oh, take the splinter out of somebody else's eye with the log out of their own eye. You know, it's easy to do that. I can do that. They thought they were right with God. These leaders should have been setting the example. They should have been the ones preparing the way for Jesus, not some random guy in the wilderness. They should have been the church leaders, but they were living self-righteous lives. They were hypocritical. They were denying their spiritual condition. They weren't practicing what they were preaching. And so John, he doesn't pamper up to them. He doesn't model problem them. He, he, he confronts them. He doesn't shy away, but John calls them out. He speaks the truth in love. John didn't shy away, but he spoke the truth in love. And you might say this morning, what's this got to do with you and me? Do I want you to call me out on my sins? Well, if necessary, yes, you need to do that. But it's not about that. As I was praying and as I was waiting on the Lord, I believe the Lord wants to challenge us as a congregation today. I believe God wants to challenge you and me today. The reason I believe God wants to challenge us here this morning is because there is a tidal wave of evil that is currently sweeping throughout our society, but not just sweeping throughout our society, but if you've seen on the news this week, it's sweeping throughout the church. There is a tidal wave of evil that is coming in. The church is starting to compromise on things that God said we shouldn't compromise on. The church is backtracking on what is black and white in God's written word. They are afraid of people, so they're compromising to people. People are compromising. Church leaders are compromising. I believe the Apostle Paul described our generation like this. I believe this is apt for us. He says this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 to 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Popular thinking says, tickle my ears, but don't step on my toes. Churches are afraid to offend people. Churches are afraid to call people out on truth because they're afraid of hurting people. And I get that side of it. But we can't be afraid to stand up for truth. We see there are so many Christians today who are getting caught up in political correctness. People are more afraid of what people think than of what God thinks. There is a crippling fear within the church and it's not the fear of God anymore. It's the fear of man. That's what's crept into many of our hearts and lives. Political correctness dictates what we should say. We avoid saying anything in case it offends, especially when it comes to God's word. You know, it's so sad that church leaders and Christians today are afraid to talk about Christ's virgin birth. People are afraid to talk about his miraculous power. People are afraid to talk about holiness. People are afraid to talk about Jesus' sinful, a sinless life. People are afraid to talk about his death his burial, his resurrection, him coming again. People are afraid to talk about that. People are afraid to say that Jesus is the only way to salvation. People are afraid to say that these days. People are afraid. People today don't like church leaders. Christians are afraid to talk about hell to unbelievers because they're afraid it might offend them. We're afraid in churches to talk about the authority of scripture. 
We're afraid to talk about sex. We're afraid to talk about marriage. We're afraid to talk about gender. That God only created two genders. There's no other gender. God, people are afraid to talk about parenting. People are afraid to talk about the sanctity of life and about all these things. People are afraid because of a backlash, a political correctness. And what has happened is the church has gone into hiding. We've hidden. We're afraid, so we hide. Just like Charlie, she was afraid. The natural reaction, let's hide away. Christians, we've done that. We've hidden away. We've stuck away behind these four walls for so long that we've become irrelevant. We've become outdated and we don't know how to deal with the problems in our world. We don't know how to talk to people. We're afraid of what people might say. We compromise and we run away from the fight. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 says this. Fear in people is a dangerous trap. But trust in the Lord means safety. And I believe to this morning that the word of the Lord to us, I believe it's a word to me, I believe it's a word to us. But it's time to stand. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to stop being afraid. There is a world out there that needs to hear the truth in love. Jesus was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. And we need that. The world needs that. It is time for us to stand. And where does God expect us as the people of God to stand during these times? We need to stand on the truth. The truth of God's word. We need to stand on the truth of scripture. Just like John did. Just like Jesus did. Jesus often offended his hearers, including his disciples. And sometimes we will offend people by what we say. But we're not doing it to offend or hurt people. We're doing it because we love people. We want it because people need to experience the truth. They need to hear the truth. The Apostle Paul told the Christians in Ephesus this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. I think we're in the time of evil. It's pretty obvious. Then, after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, recognizing that Timothy was a young pastor would face rejection and ridicule from some of his hearers. The Apostle Paul gives him this encouragement. He says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 2, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Be prepared, patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. I want to stand up here today and say, I'm not called to be popular. You're not called to be popular. We're not meant to be popular as a church. We're called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. 
We're called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to stand on the truth of God's word. We're called to bring people into the kingdom of God. We're called by our God. It says in Acts 8 verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, God's word will aggravate some people, but I also know God's word sets people free. It liberates people as well. You know, it's not about being arrogant. It's not about being offensive. But I believe it's about standing up for truth. It's about living for truth. No longer compromising. You know, when we're hearing about the Church of England blessing sin, God will never bless sin. Let me tell you that. God will never, ever do that. And we will stand here and I will stand here today and say that we will never agree with same-sex marriage. We will never stand for that. We will never agree with all these gender things. And you know, I might get into trouble for saying this, but I'd rather stand on God's word. I'd rather have the fear of God than the fear of man. Because we need to stand for truth. And we're doing this for life. God has clearly written his way for us to live. And we need to live by that. This world needs to live for that. You know, if we want to fully follow the Lord and finish the race of life well, then it's time to stop compromising. It's time to stop hanging away. I believe it's time to stand by God. It's time to stand by God. And you know, this morning, I'm so glad we don't have to do this in our own strength. We don't have to do this in our own ability. But God says, he will pour out his spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to give us power, to give us power to stand, to give us the words to say, you know, as it says in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were being persecuted and put in prison because they were preaching about Jesus, what did they do? They got together, they prayed, and they said, Lord, now grant us boldness. And I believe we need to pray for that this morning. God grant us boldness. And after they prayed that, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out in the power of God and began, began sharing about Jesus again. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever. As a Pentecostal church, we need the Holy Spirit. But it's time for us to stop living for the approval of people. Start living for the approval of God. Start declaring the truth. You know, as a church, we might think we're on our own here. We're a small little minority. People will call us bigots. People will say that we're outdated, we're irrelevant. We might feel like we're a minority. Maybe you will stand up for the truth in your workplace Maybe you'll stand up for the truth in your home with your friends and it won't be a popular opinion. Maybe you feel like you're on your own and you're the minority. But you know, when I became the pastor of this church, Pastor Tony Jones, he wrote me a little card. And on that card, he said, Luke, never forget, with God, you're always the majority. Heaven is on our side. The Lamb of God is on our side. Jesus Christ is on our side. It says in Romans 8 verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, who can be against us? Apostle Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. He said, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it be, not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, the Lord, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Ever. Amen. I believe God's raising the standard. God is raising the standard. It's time we join in with that. God is raising the standard once again. 
I love what it says in Isaiah 59, verse 19, as we come to an end. It says these words. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Satan is a being, created being, is a defeated being. Jesus won the victory when he rose again. Jesus won the victory. He's alive. He is God Almighty. He is above everything and everyone. He reigns over all. And Satan will not get a last laugh. As Billy Graham once said, I've read the end of this book. I know how it ends. We win. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. And I believe it's time for you and me, wherever we are. It's dark days we're entering. But God is with us. And I promise you that if God is with us, no one will be able to stand against us. Just like the three Hebrew boys, when they were thrown into the fire, there was a fourth with them. Somebody kept them safe and God rescued them and it was a miracle of God delivered them. And I love what it says there, that they're not even missing, it says that not even a hair on their head was harmed. I know that's a promise over my life, but I believe that's a promise over us as well. Not a hair on their heads will be harmed. And so, um, so as we come to an end of this message today, I believe the Lord is calling us to come out of hiding. It's time to keep the belt of truth buckled. And it's time to make a stand. Time to make a stand for the glory and honor of our God. So that people will come to know him. Heaven will be populated and hell will be hidden. For God's glory we pray. Amen. Shall we pray together? This morning, I know that was a challenging message. I know it was a difficult message. But I believe it's time to raise the standard. I believe we will face backlash and difficulties and hardships in the days to come. Don't want to be a prophet of doom, but the Bible says that will happen. People will grow cold. People will fall away from the Lord. But God says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The sons and daughters will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. The young men will see visions. God has promised that God is going to win. There will be an end time revival before Jesus comes again. I believe that. And that will happen to a people who will stand for God, stand on God's word. And if you're here this morning, and this word has encouraged you, this word has challenged you, but this word has spoken to you. And you know this morning that you need to make a stand. And I want to encourage you this morning, where you are, would you just stand? I'm standing this morning. I'm making a stand. And I wonder if you would join with me today. If you were ready to. And we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, fill us with your spirit. That we might have boldness to tell people about you. And so I'm just going to wait a moment. If that's you, I'm just where you are. Stand where you are. If not, don't worry. I'm going to be standing. And then I see you standing this morning. As the Bible says, raise up an army of God. We are the army of God. And we're on victory side. And I'm so glad that God uses and calls those who are weak, those who are broken, those who are afraid. He fills us. He gives us everything we need. And he will be with us. He is all about us. He's above us, before us, behind us. He's with us. And so this morning, if you stood, all I'd like you to do where you are, just raise your hands to heaven. If you're able to, and we're going to ask God to just come and fill us with his spirit and give us boldness this morning. Lord, 
We ask in Jesus' mighty name that you would fill us and baptize us with your spirit. Help us to be a people who will stand in these days to come. We don't want to compromise, Lord. We want to stand for you. We want to tell people about you in love, in grace, but with boldness as well. We don't want to hide away any longer. The Lord, fill us with your spirit this morning. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray from the youngest person here this morning to the oldest, fill us with your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here this morning.